and welcome to Enmu to the Battle Games in Middle Earth podcast, all about the Middle Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 38, and by gum have we got something in store for you. Yes, that's right, tournaments return, which means, <laughs> I feel like crying a tear of relief in my eyes, because that means the format that this podcast was born on was designed to sort of construct around has finally returned. Yes, that's right. Today, I go to a tournament, I build an army, we do riddles in the dark, we interview players, we hope, we interview the uh, winner of a tournament, and we talk to a tournament organiser about just what's happening, really. What it's been like after how many months? Eight, nine months? And then even that was six months before that. So we're just going to delve into it. We're going to took into a beautiful army of of excitement and just generally have one hell of a podcast back in the normal format. So very excited to be bringing it to you. And of course, um, that just just means loads of different things like building an army, which we haven't done properly and actually tested that army out for a long time. So without much further ado, let's get straight into the podcast. Yes, that's right, we're building an army for Mordor. And I kind of wanted to compete at tournaments this year. Um, Basically, I wanted to actually do some good games and, you know, give you something to cheer on. Because every time you're listening to this podcast, I'm thinking, apologies, guys, because, uh, you know, I know know I'm doing poorly. I know you're listening and you're thinking, you know, I really want you to do well, but um, I know you're not going to do well because you brought that terrible, terrible list again. But I kind of thought this, you know, next few tournaments, I'm actually going to give it a go. But then the Rings of Men cropped up. So, uh, originally I wasn't going to be able to come to the Rings of Men. I had something else on, which was cancelled because of COVID restrictions changing um, in uh, in the UK. But Rings of Men is still happening. So, I can actually go to Rings of Men, which is really, really exciting. Um, but... Because all these things, rules changed at the last minute, I uh, I didn't have an army prepared. And this is a 700-point thematic tournament. Um, I have played at it before. Uh, I can't remember what episode number it is, but feel free to go back and uh, have a read through what I took last time. I feel like it might have been Aragorn, the King of the Dead, and Dúnedain, and maybe a Herald of the Dead, something like that. Anyway... Um, this time I wanted to do something sort of similar. I want to do something themey. That's the whole point. We want to come up with something a bit different and have a bit of fun with it. Um, there's a whole theme around each um, each mission has been adapted slightly to fit the rings uh, of power, the different kinds of rings of power. So there's uh, a, a scenario which has seven rings, which I believe is domination variant with an extra objective for the dwarven rings. There's a three rings which is um, sees the prize, but it's got three prizes. And there is a nine one uh, nine ring variant. I can't remember which one that one is. That maybe it's um, heirlooms of ages past, but with nine heirlooms to pick up. All that sort of stuff. It's really cool. There's a hostage you have to take in, uh, which they've got a special scenario about, which is all really cool. So I, I really like it, and it's encouraging theme. Um, so. I spoke to Will Champion, who runs the tournament and who's been a sort of semi-regular um, guest on the podcast over uh, over the many moons that I've been doing this. And he said, um, 
He said, oh, what are you going to bring? And I was like, you know, I really don't know. I've got a few armies that I could use, um, but I haven't really thought of anything because I've built, you know, in the last couple of years I've built... Uh, I've, I don't know, I've got some uh, Urukai Scouts, I've got some um, the uh, Kirithungul, I've got um, what else have I done? I've done loads of things um, Easterlings I'm pretty much there with um, so I could have done that and then Will said and I sort of said, oh I don't really know and Will said, oh have you thought about an evil fellowship and I was like, whoa, what do you mean and he he, he kind of uh, said, yeah, you know, evil, evil fellowship of the ring, and I was like, right, yeah, I've got it. And he sort of suggested things like, you know, orc captains like Grishnak and uh, Gorbag and people like that, led by some of the bigger heroes. So I, I came back to him. I was like, you know, I've, I got this, I got this, man. So you need to come up with nine characters that replace the uh, the fellowship of the ring. So I kind of try. I was trying to think about different ones that will pretty much fit in line with. Um, uh, with the characters I've got. So I started thinking Aragorn. Okay, who do I replace Aragorn with? Who, which evil characters um, ha- have something equivalent to Mighty Hero that can lead people, that have, you know, special rules that, that allow them to be a bit better, like a bit better at wounding? And the only thing I could think of was, was Gothmog. So Gothmog has Master of Battle, not unsimilar to um, uh, Mighty Hero, which is pretty cool. Um, he also has some wound uh, wounding benefits, so he has a plus one to wound against men, and also he has the Time of the Orcs to allow him to re-roll wounds, just like Aragorn's um, uh, Anduril. I mean, not just like it, but, you know, he has some wounding benefits, which I like. So, <clears throat> with, that, with that on, I went to my next favourite, uh, Gimli. And I must say, Gimli was the most difficult one to work out because initially I wanted Durbers because I thought Gimli and Durbers have a nice kind of, you know, uh, similarity between them. Um, but I had to move away from Gimli because basically I ended up with an army with too few points. Um, so let's come back to Gimli later on. Uh, next, I was thinking about Boromir. So I needed another big hitter. So I th- immediately thought of Suladan. Um, he's got a banner, which is great. So that kind of, to me, recreated almost the the extra attacks. Um, so that you know that Boromir's got and the extra might that he's got and so the re-rolls and, and the poisoned again um, for, for some of those things for the extra might so it got a few little bits that kind of hinted at him him being um, you know a bit special like Boromir so and also he's a bit fragile let's be honest Suladan has a few more wounds than Boromir um, but he's got one point of fate so I thought it was pretty similar okay so then we move on to Vrasku um, of course, he's kind of the only person to replace Legolas. Uh, he's got two shots with a crossbow. Um, he's really cool. Um, he looks great. He's decent in a fight as well, which was actually kind of the swinger. I did think about um, some of the hunter orcs. Um, I can't remember which what his name is, but there's a hunter orc that you can kind of use a free point and a might during the shooting phase. I was so close to doing him, but the maths worked out better for Vrasku, and I thought, if I'm completely honest, Vrasku would be better in a fight. So that seemed fair. Then we've got the Dwimmer Lake because I wanted someone to replace Gandalf and the Witch King felt a bit overpowered so I decided to go with the Dwimmer Lake and the Dwimmer Lake has some really cool uh, rules which I don't think get used enough um, A, he has a lot of magic so I thought he's got 18 will or something stupid doesn't have any might which is a bit of a downside big downside but he has a lot of um, I think 16 or 18 wills so he can fire loads of black darts at people and um, he also has this really uh, janky special rule um, 
where he leeches essence, uh, it's called. So you spend a will and, uh, sorry, well, basically any time anyone, um, any opponent spends a point of might, will or fate within six inches of him, you can spend a point of will and on a four plus they have to double the resources that's spent. And that's actually really good. I mean, it's worse than it was. It used to just be automatically, so, but now you have to spend a resource to do it. But in an army where I'm going to be relying on getting the heroic moves off, the strikes and things like that, I think it's kind of essential to be able to leech away from people's um, people's heroics. Um, so that's really cool. Dwimmer Lake is there. Um, also, I've got the model. I've had it for ages and haven't picked it up and used it at a tournament in donkeys. So, uh, Dwimmer Lake's there. Then let's go back to uh, Gimli. So uh, the points are starting to add up now. So I decided to go with someone who has armor, who's good in a fight, um, and... Yeah, basically I couldn't think of anything else to link to, link him to Gimli, but I went with Amda. Um, obviously there's some Dwarf versus Easterling stuff going on at the moment, so maybe Amda is a good shout. But either way, I like the idea of using Amda. Um, he's got a banner for himself, he's got the Blood and Glory, so there's another way of getting Might back, which is again is really useful in a uh, all-hero army. Um, and he, he's got armour. He's one of the higher defence uh, uh, warriors. So there you go. Um, a bit of a mistake I made, though, actually, because Suladan is the only hero of legend, which means Boromir is the leader. But we'll, we'll skim over that slightly. Um, then we've got four uh, uh, hobbits to replace. So I thought I've got to have a Baggins. But an evil Baggins, of course. So I've got Lotho Sackville Baggins as Frodo. And um, uh, Will has kindly let me uh, give him Sting. Um, so he has got an elven bl- blade or dagger. Um, and I quite like the idea of Lotho as well, because he's 30 points um, from the um, Scaring the Shire book, 35 with uh, Sting. And he ha- has four will, uh, a might and a fate. And he can basically spend a will... Um, to either boost um, Hobbit's fight value, which is pretty useless here, but also he can use it to um, to stop people charging him. So I really like that. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to take some rubbish um, Hobbity heroes like Lotho, then I've got to, absolutely got to, could have given myself an edge uh, in some way and uh, give him a sort of charge prevention. So that's what I did. Um, then the other Hobbit is going to be Ted Sandyman standing in for Sam. Ted Sandyman is generic um hobbit basically 20 points he's got a might, a might will of fate and he feels like he's got a big hammer um you know he feels like a kind of accompaniment perfect accompaniment to frodo so i, I went with tad sandyman for the next one and then finally the merry and pippin uh, a bit bigger because obviously merry and pippin grow um they're the tallest hobbits ever so um bill fernie and rowan thistlewood seemed like the sensible ones now bill fernie and rowan thistlewood are ruffian heroes and if you uh, know anything about me you know i'm keen on hit, uh, painting ruffians at the moment so um that's what i chose bill fernie um didn't really have many special rules he has a quite a cool one about um essentially it's like the reverse of madril's special rule so madril and um the master of reserves um they can give you a plus one in a kind of reinforcement scenario whereas bill fernie um plants a spy in an enemy um uh, enemy sort of warband and he gets to forces them to take a minus one to their deployment so actually could be quite useful in one or two of the scenarios 
And then uh, Rowan Thistlewood, he's a bit of, a much better fighter than Bill Fernie, but still not amazing. He's only strength four, fight three or something. But he has two attacks, which is good. And um, he also has this special ability where he can set fire to buildings. So I'm hoping I'll be able to get to use that at some point in the tournament. And I, I'm imagining there's going to be very few upsides to it, but I'm going to give it a go and see if I can try and work out a chance to do it if I can remember. So there you go. Um, that is my uh, army. It is something like what we what we're looking at, uh, six hundred. 95 points or thereabouts um it's really cool um i like the idea i like the theme i like that it's a bit janky and a bit stupid but i also think there's there's some small sense of hope here because there's a lot of ways of getting might if the rolls go my way i've got you know a strength five uh, fighter in the urukai uh, vrasku i've got um you know i've got master of battle so i can match people's heroics i've got uh, poison on suladan i've got blood and glory on amder and i've got um uh, i've got the uh, the time of the orc and the the hatred man on the uh, on gothmog so i kind of like it i mean I, I, I'm not going to go in there with any airs and graces expecting to win even any games. I'm going to be surprised if I win even a couple. But um, either way, I'm really, really excited about using this crazy, crazy monstrosity of a list. So, with that in mind, we'll get down to the tournament in a few minutes' time. But first... Riddles of the Dark. I press Yes, that's right. Riddles in the Dark. This is the time in the podcast where we play a clip of uh, basically someone, some sound effects and some sort of noises and a bit of music from the films. And you have to tell me who speaks next and what they say. So, um, we've kind of rolled this one over a couple of episodes to give people a bit of a chance because I, I smashed out two episodes fairly quickly. Um, so, let's delve back into the emails to see what people have been saying about this clip. Yeah, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to work out who speaks next uh, and what they say. So let's go into Cameron Cochran. Um, I believe uh, we read this one out last week. So uh, let's go straight into... He, he says something about enjoying the podcast and blah, blah, blah. But at first, he says, As for Riddles in the Dark, it is a very tough one this time. I really struggled with it, first assuming it was the warg attack scene when Legolas is shooting them, swings up onto his horse, and the next line will be Thaed and shouting, Charge! However... I don't think it is. I think it is when the wild man is swearing his allegiance to Saruman in Isengard. The next line would be, we will die for Saruman. Hopefully I've got it correct. If it's not that part of the film, then I've got no idea. Well done to anyone else who managed it. Thanks very much for getting in touch, Cameron. James McCochan, I'm going to go with. Um, relatively new listener, uh, sent over from the Battle Streams in Middle-Earth Bunch. But first time emailing in to guests, as I'd normally listen to you in the car. I never got a chance to send in a guest for the pig, so I thought I'd have a good old go at this one. Uh, I must say this was a difficult clip. I normally listen to the film soundtracks when your dulcet tones are unavailable. And this clip, as far as the soundtrack is concerned, is part of The Three Hunters, with a drumbeat of the uruk and Horns of Isengard in the background. That is some crazy good knowledge, by the way, James. Um, how However, he says, this clip does not take place on the plains of Rohan, oh no, but in the Tower of Orthanc, after one of Sir Christopher Lee's great monologues. The answer is, we will die for Saruman, the wild man oathmaker. And he even writes down, look, this is this is dedication from James here, he even writes down the minutes it's in, it's 21 minutes in, 21 seconds in, in the Two Towers Extended Edition. The film soundtrack is The Three Hunters. 
four minutes and three seconds. There you go. He says, I can't promise there's level of commitment to future installments of Riddles and Dark, but it's always great fun to listen to. Keep up the awesome content from James. Thank you very much, James. This is awesome. Uh, so awesome work there from James and Cam. Uh, well, sorry, was it Cameron? Yeah, it was Cameron. I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah Cameron. Uh, let's keep moving. Uh, so we've got Frederick Schultz. This is amazing. He says, hello there. I believe this is the first time I'm sending you an email. I'm pretty sure the part is from the Two Towers Extended Edition, where we see the Wild Manor Oathmaker, as he's called by GW, swear to Saruman that the Dunlendings will, Dun will fight for Saruman. The scene starts with him saying, we will fight for you. Then Saruman says swear it and then we get to the part where he cuts his hand and says we will die for Saruman anyways keep up the good work best Frederick thank you very much Frederick then we've got something from William Surridge okay so this is a longie Uh, we've not delved into this one before I think it arrived just after the last one was published Um, oh sorry after I started recording um, the previous episode but before the last one or something like that anyway so uh, it says good afternoon Harry I've just finished listening to your most recent podcast and therefore all of them I didn't think anything would fill the hole left by getting up to date with Green Dragon but you've managed it I love your usual format but you've done well and come up with lots of interesting ideas to keep it going through lockdown thanks William um, he says I love the riddles in the dark although I'm terrible at them haven't got a single one completely right usually I'm not even in the right film this time I think that's Frodo unsheathing Sting then resheathing it before Aragorn shouts run at Amon Hen if it is great moment great choice when Aragorn joins a list of about six people in history to, who give up a shot at the one ring yeah that's a good point this is getting long so I'll save my thoughts about Faramir's profile for, until another time yes that was a, a, a long running topic we had hopefully I'll get the chance to meet you soon I'm going to Into the West in Cardiff next month I think you are too that'll be my first tournament so I'm looking forward to learning a lot and meeting some awesome people thanks for the inspiration I'm definitely getting some dwarves because of you regards and best wishes William William thank you very much for that length the uh, email is really nice sadly i believe into the western cardiff is uh being moved back to august so hopefully you can make the august date i'm not sure i can um sadly that one had to be moved because the uh, welsh restrictions are different to english ones um but there is something happening um on the july event i can't get get to that because they're sold out already which was a bit of a bummer but anyway let's move on um and on to the next email which is William Surridge again. He says, Hi again, Harry. Either I missed your recording or you just decided not to read out my waffle. Fair enough. No, of course not. Every single email you guys send in, I will read out. Um, unless it's particularly abusive, um, then I will definitely send it, uh, give it a good read. So uh, if you want to get your message read out, it's entmootpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, let's finish off. William has now thought about it. He's having another go at the Riddle in the Dark. He says, Is it? The Dunlending Oathmaker drawing a knife, then cutting his hand. Then he says, We die for Saruman. It was your clue that made me think that, and I'm probably still wrong. Thanks for all the great content. Loving the scenario talk. Can't wait to try them with my fiance, William. William Surridge, thank you ever so much for getting in touch with both of those emails, and apologies for the timing not being exactly right on the um, on the message. But as I've said, I do definitely um, I definitely, definitely read every single one, and um, I will read out all of the riddle guesses and topic stuff on the podcast. Final email uh, we've got uh, Adam Sirens or Sirens. So he says, uh, "My guess at the riddle is Wildman Oathmaker with his only line of the films: 
just cause for a great model. Um, I've started my quarantine in the UK, ready to escape up to Lincoln for my first tournament, and I cannot wait. I've decided to go for a mix of what I've nearly painted. Uh, so here you go. As there's a man, uh, as there's a lot of man armies, I think it's a bit naff if I go Gothmog. So Guritz it is. I'm really hoping someone chooses him as the target of assassination. Amazing. So uh, Adam, uh, if if you don't understand what you're getting at there, um, Adam's not only guessed at the riddle in the dark, but he's also sent me his army list uh, for the Lord of the Imps tournament, which is happening. Uh, in July the 10th so um, this is this is a, a moment I suppose to mention that um, it's it's going to be awesome um, we've got 56 uh, I think people confirmed as coming and um, there's f- room for four more ideally we'd have full 60 because um, with pods um, we've got to do everything in little groups of six people and um, so everyone's not mixing with one another too much uh, here in the UK and um, Basically, it, I kind of really, really need four more people at the tournament um, because um, otherwise there'll be two people playing each other three times on one day or we have to, everyone has to change in some way, shape or form into pods of four or I, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it. So um, please, if you're listening and you have nothing to do on July the 10th uh, and 11th, 2021, and you can get to uh, Lincoln, please do it because it will make an amazing, amazing um, difference for the few people who, uh, the two extra people who really want to come but kind of can't at the moment because it would screw everything up. So um, get in touch with me, mmootpodcast at gmail.com or message me on uh, Facebook. Search it up in the Great British Hobbit League as well. It's on the events tab at the top um, and you'll be able to find out all the details. But uh, anyway, moving on, that was, um, yeah, that was that was everything. So I'm thinking we've got all the answers. And there seemed to be a bit of a trend there. Let's hear the clip. We will die for Saruman. Yeah, it was the Wild Man Oathmaker. And I can't honestly remember why I chose it. Um, I just thought it was a cool clip. Um, and I thought I'd do something that isn't a named character. Um, but that we have a name for because of the uh, game. So um, I hope you liked that one. I hope you, uh, even if you didn't email in, you kind of guessed it right or had a good guess uh, thinking about it. So uh, thanks very much for all of you who did get in touch for it. So I think it's about time for another Riddle in the Dark, don't you? Let's hear this week's Riddle. Mmm, not an easy one. Not an easy one. Or, well, is it? I don't know. Let's have a listen again. Uh, Here's the riddle in the dark. (laughs) Entmootpodcast at gmail.com If you think you know who speaks next and what they say. Is it an easy one? Is it a hard one? You can be the decider. Get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com If you think you know who speaks next and what they say. (laughs) One more time for luck. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know the answer. And also, this week, I want you to email in with your favourite memories 
from a tournament. When was the last tournament you went to? I don't know. Um, but I really, I'm really keen to reflect on your favourite memories of tournaments or, or kind of favourite moments. Maybe, maybe you had a particularly memorable battle. Maybe you met your best friend at a tournament. Um, let me know. I'd love to read out some of your comments on uh, tournaments because we're celebrating being back to tournaments this week. Uh, the GBHL is back up and running. We've got people all playing games. It's going to be amazing. So what are we waiting for? I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So game one, Rings of Men, and my evil fellowship has uh, has done pretty well. Been playing against Jack. Um, Jack, first of all, just uh, give us an idea of what your game is. And first of all, and when you saw what you were playing up against, did you fancy your chances? Um, I actually didn't really, because you had a lot more might than I had. So, because I've only got four long Imrahil and um, twenty-four knights. So, while it does a lot, has a lot of punching power, it's not very strong, especially against heroes. We get fives and fours, and the higher fight. So, you were able just to kill me and go for my knights a lot quicker than I was able to punch through you. Yeah, I think the, the essential thing here was I, I just, every time I was in combat, I was just spending as much resources as I could, heroic combating, killing stuff, spending points of might here, there and everywhere, just to make sure I got those kills and, and filtered out your lines. And at first I thought, God, there's a lot of knights to cut through here. And, and there was the first turn of combat, I think, um, where Gothmod ended up spending all these points of might just to make sure a, a heroic combat went off. But I think all those might points spent early on just allowed me that extra kind of momentum, really. Yeah, after you used all your might, you were able to just choose your combats a lot quicker, and I was kind of getting bottlenecked in, so you kill the knights, and then you get two or three heroes in per knight, which was not a vantage, especially when you had the might to get the heroic com- move off, so I was only rolling one dice versus your many. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I think because of those heroic combats earlier, I was able to preserve my numbers, because I only lost Ted Sandyman, the poor fellow, um, about sort of halfway through to the towards the sort of latter half of the game, really. Um, and I think that meant that, that I had enough bodies that I, I could take tag knights and, and block corners and the Dwemer Lake proved very useful as well because I kept compelling knights and moving moving them around to block them in uh, to different spots So, and, and we had these three buildings in the middle or like a, a, a pillar in the middle and three buildings so there was only about a, a six inch square arena where there were uh, maybe a three four inch gap on one side two three inches gap on another and, and, and that just meant that, that you couldn't get enough bases around at, at any time and I used that to my advantage pretty much the whole way through yeah throughout the entire thing like I couldn't get maybe like three guys in and then when they failed their courage test to chat Dremelate, they just caused so many issues, so it was uh, difficult to try and get a big charge because there's not like an open field to fight. And you made sure that I couldn't get four or five knights in, just one or two frees, and did not help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because um, basically, Vrasku did a, a stellar effort early on, he, he got a lucky line of sight against um, Imrahil and fired his two shots. And I mighted it to get the kill on the horse, which took Imrahil off his off his lance early on. Uh, I, I think I think a mistake that you made was was moving Imrahil back um, towards the objective. This is a kind of variant of um, well, I don't really. It's a completely unique scenario. You get hostages and you've got to capture each other's hostages and all that sort of stuff. But you kind of brought him back to defend your objective essentially, which I think might have been a mistake because you moved your big banner and your big hitter and all the might. Um, 
back to your side of the board, away from my heroes. Yeah, what I should have done is I moved Emrahil back, it's moved my knights as well back, but I thought, you know what, with four along there, it can maybe help for Emrahil to get the objective a bit forward, to get those VPs, and then it just took a lot longer, and I thought my knights would maybe last a bit longer than they did. Mm. So in hindsight, I should have moved the knights back with Emrahil, but I just thought, he's off, off his horse, he's going to get chance, there's a magic caster, he might not survive that long, so maybe take him to the back, he's worth like three, three VPs, get the horses, get me maybe some VPs, but yeah, in hindsight, not the best plan. I think I think it, it, the, the the philosophy there, the the logic behind it was pretty pretty solid. You know, get all my VPs at the back basically and keep them out of harm's way. But I guess that what that did, it allowed me to slowly churn through everything. And because I was fairly confident that your army wasn't going to run away all in one go, that I I might lose you might lose one night at once you've lost a. Um, once you've broken but it, it, it kind of meant that I slowly could pick off more and more of your troops and still had a bit of time to move my uh, my hostage over and, and capture your one as well so I, I think yeah that, that was probably a bit of a mistake but I, I do think that the um, the movement worked quite well but the, the terrain was against your uh, against your army really because there were so many little bottlenecks for the, the big base knights to get through and, and as you mentioned already you didn't have a lot of might in the middle especially in the early stages because Forlong was stuck behind I did a compel at one point to push him back a bit as well so you had basically just pure knights which want the charge because they've got the lance bonus they want to be within Imrahil to get their fight bonus um, but instead they were just kind of men on horses because I was charging they didn't have the lance and, and I was churning through them like, like hot, hot knife through butter yeah it didn't help and I got full on to the front to do the heroic moves and stuff and then he ran away and that I think was the thing I was like I've lost this now now that he I thought maybe if I got the heroic move I still could have got maybe five or six knights to charge because that's when I broke through the bottleneck and I was able to maybe get quite a few charges off and him running away just meant that I lost might I lost him I lost the warhorn which meant the Drimmer Lake was a lot better with the Havinger of Evil it kind of just fully unraveled when he decided to run away yeah, that, that was really unlucky as well. I mean, he was what? He's Courage 4, which I was surprised by. But then, of course, he's got the Horn, but that's 5. But then he's down against 4. I'd already t- taken his will off with some magic earlier on. So, so yeah, Courage 4 on a, a hero. And then you'd spent the last point of might doing that heroic move. So then he got to... You had one might left, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to save you on a, a slightly poor roll. But either way, it's um, it's been great to get back to games. This is the first tournament in... I don't know, nine, ten months, something like that. And then even then, it was that was only one before then. So, I mean, what's it like being back rolling dice with, with all these people around? It's good. I'm just hoping to go to more now. It's just been nice to go back to see people face-to-face instead of talking to them online and just painting and not playing it because you can't see anyone. Something yeah. looking forward to Yeah, some people have been sort of, um, you know, wary, un- understandably wary, um, perhaps feel maybe uncomfortable in a place like this with lots of people, but we're all in our little little bubbles and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I mean, do you feel sort of comfortable generally? Yeah, I feel comfortable. Um, with the thing, like, everyone's kind of um, careful about being vaccinated and stuff, but if anyone who's now vulnerable has been vaccinated, I don't feel as wary because I'm not at threat so long as I just keep a distance don't drink the same drinks as people and just kind of be sensible should all be fine yeah agreed agreed and you know we've, we've all taken flow tests and all that sort of stuff before so hopefully hopefully this is a a sign of things to come and also and um, I'm hoping that game is a sign of things to come because it was a 12-0 victory in the end it ended up being pretty devastating for the Knights of Minas Tirith and a good thing for my um, insane hero army I mean what did you think of that crazy army I was like, okay, I was trying to pick up your weak ones, pick off like, the Dumlins and the Hobbits first, and then you have the big heroes, but once they run out of my stuff, they lose their momentum. But I just couldn't, just couldn't kill anyone. So I'm hoping in, uh, yeah, it's terrifying. Gothmog and uh, 
both of them just hurt and sold over the banner and the fight six it's just painful it's like, it's, it sounds dumb but it seems to work yeah I, I thought it was going to be rubbish and then the, the ruffians in particular have done really well they just kept they were like one on one with Knights of Dol Amroth and they just were like smashing him back because you know I think it's Rowan Thistlewood in particular has two attacks as well so anyway there you go so that's game number one Rings of Men 12-0 uh, victory I wonder if it will be downhill from here I think so so game two from the dizzying heights of a 12-0 victory against uh, Jack and his, uh, his Knights of Dol Amroth. It's up against Andrew and a horde, a horde of Defence 6 models with a 5-plus armour save. Yes, that's right. It's up against the Arnor. So it's fair to say already the Evil Fellowship have done badly. And first of all, Andrew, what did you think when you come up against my army? Did you fancy your chances? Uh, yeah, I reckon so. You had about six heroes compared to my 51 warriors. The uh, chances were, if you if you had a good first couple of turns with combats, I was going to be pretty screwed when you killed all my uh, heroes. But if I managed to hold the line a little bit longer, I'd have been all right. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what happened. I mean, there was a bottleneck, and I bottled up in that bottleneck, but it didn't really help me in the end because the first turn, essentially, all of my heroes, the, the good ones anyway, uh, called heroic combats, and they either failed to um, to kill, they failed to win, or or they killed maybe one model, and and ultimately that just isn't enough. No, it, it didn't go too well first turn for you, but I think after that it went. It went a bit better, but you could you just couldn't get past the uh, defense six. Yeah, it was the defense six, wasn't it? And and ultimately, I, I, the Dwemer Lake uh, tried to deactivate Malbeth, and he did it the first turn, didn't the second turn, and um, so so it kind of it that just it was one of those little speed bumps again that, that just got in the way. And and we we're playing assassination as well. And and just just walk me through um, your your uh, choices with your assassin and who you were trying to assassinate because this if you haven't heard this one this is off the new match play guide so uh, I say new it's been out in a year and a half but we've had no tournaments so um, it, basically you choose a, a guy who has to kill another hero and not leaders so who did you go for? So I went for I don't know what his name was but it was your equivalent of uh, Frodo I thought that's just fun try kill the main hobbit person so that was it yeah. and then my assassin was I just just picked one of my captains because I didn't want to get Malbeth or the king into combat because I mean they're the linchpin of the army. If they die, it falls apart pretty quickly. Well, and and actually, you, you can't be the assassin anyway. So no, you, you yeah, so it's got you ha- kind of the, the only choices were the assassins. I chose um, the Dwimmer Lake, um, which might seem an odd choice, but um, I was going to kill Malbeth, and I knew he'd be hiding behind the lines. So I thought, right, if I send a couple of uh, immobilizers take away some will then um, late game or, or mid game I was hoping to fire a couple of black darts at him and kill him in a couple of turns it, it didn't quite work <laughs> I'll be honest um, the first turn I, I did immobilize you but you didn't spend any will on that because I got a six um, and then the second turn I failed to immobilize you and then I think I tried a black dart at one point and you saved it with the Malbeth save so it yeah. didn't go so well <laughs> no well I, I realised you were going to try waste my will so you could essentially black dart him at the end or get close to it because I didn't really matter, I didn't get my five up safe because you were going to kill me or you weren't at the defence six. Uh, I, was bit, I was a bit like, oh, I'll let him do it. Waste his will for a little while because um, I realised you're probably going to get him into combat because it's going to be really your only option. I did, you did sight me out for a little bit because I thought you, one of your targets was one of my captains because mm. you kept charging um, was it uh, Sullivan into it and a couple of the Hobbit guys. I was like, oh. So then I, towards the end, I tried to pull him out really quickly, but you kept charging. I was like, oh, okay. 
Maybe that's it wasn't Marbeth. Yeah, that's why I'm quite liking these uh, these kinds of games. Uh, this one and the Fog of War, where you have that kind of extra layer of psychological warfare that you can play on the opponent and just mention, oh yeah, so, oh, what what the what the captain's fight values again? What was that? Oh, so Suladan's fight. Yes, you'd have to strike. Okay, that's fine. I know that. Okay, good. It says all that yeah, sort yeah. of psychological warfare. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's a good scenario, to be fair, especially when you're playing something like this because it's you got so many base captains, mm. so you've got to be careful which ones they pick. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a captain, although, you know, fight five and defence six or seven or whatever it is, you know, they they, they only got the one uh, fate and the two will uh, two wounds, sorry. So I, I'd imagine it, it you, you've got to be a bit careful, but equally you know you've got to use them to assassinate. So I, I quite like that. My one, uh, my army, of course, isn't ideal for choosing assassins and stuff, but I did think that... the. I thought that in this game, I was either going to be choosing a captain or Malbeth, and I thought, I've got, to, I've got to try and do something about Malbeth, so I figured if I go for him, at least I'm targeting with magic, and that's more likely to happen than Dwimelite. But to be eventually, I just got so overwhelmed by the huge number of Arnorians. I think, how many guys did I kill in the end? Maybe like eight or nine out of your 50 or 60? Less than 10. I think there's about nine. Because uh, the problem was, as soon as, as soon as I wrapped around you, you, you just got bogged down, and I just had so many attacks. You just couldn't win combats, and then just slowly, slowly beat beat them up. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, once you've got four guys surrounding Amdo with four spear sports, you know, you, unless you roll a six, which doesn't always happen, especially once you run out of might, it's 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 gonna get it's gonna end badly. And that's exactly what happened. I lost all of my guys, and and I lost twelve nil in the end. Uh, good game, Andrew. But you know. On to the next one. Uh, we're in this pod of six, and we're kind of doing a Swiss ranking system in this pod so that we're not mixing with too many different people uh, here at the Rings of Men. But either way, good luck for your next game. Yeah, you too. So game three, Rings of Men, and uh, coming up against an interesting army. It's a bit of a sort of evil fellowship off. Um, we've got my evil fellowship against the nine of uh, Dol Gulder plus the Keeper of the Dungeons with Nathan. So first of all... Um, what did you think when you saw saw what you were facing up against? Did you fancy your chances, or you know, pretty confident? Uh, it's, it's hard to say um, because there's a lot of well, you've got the magic, you've got uh, a couple of elven blades. Um, so yeah, I was panicking about that because obviously with the four up rather than the three up, um, and I've not taken the necromancer, so it's a, they don't survive as much. Um, but yeah, finding that if I kept the might, they they seem to last, and I've only lost three. Out of the out of the nine, so yeah, no, uh, yeah, happy with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, th- I think to be fair, I I, I looked at it, and I thought I, I I don't know how this is going to go, but I thought that it I did have a chance because I had the the as you say the Elven Blade because Lotho has a has Sting in this uh, variant, um and uh, and and. Uh, Amda has an Elven Blade as well, the magic, as you pointed out. I thought I might get a bit luckier with um, with the Dwimmer Lake, but he, he didn't quite get. I think I did three or four black darts in the end, and he didn't do any uh, get any kills off it, which was a bit disappointing. But I think what really helped you, you played an incredibly clever move with, uh, early on, and this is a, a, a variant of seize the prize, where there are three prizes rather than just the one. So there's one in the middle, and then there's two sort of in the middle, but uh, halfway between each board edge, and. Um, you started with, but went for the middle one, but I actually ended up getting it at the end. But you sent the Lingering Shadow to one and one of the Abyssal Knights to the other. But you did the clever uh, clever thing where the Abyssal Knight jumps over to the other side. So he joined the Lingering Shadow and, and then ended up wandering off the board. And I kind of couldn't do anything other than hope on a chance that I'd fire a Black Dart at them and stop them, which didn't work. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's great for this scenario, this army, um, especially with them, their special rules. 
Um, as well as that, yeah, like you say, the lingering shadow that gets to move up three inches um, before, well, no, sorry, uh, at the start of, uh, of the move phase. Um, so moving, uh, yeah, up, up the board and then getting across there. Um, and then just it was a fight for the centre to try and get your your objective to get all free, um, which I managed to in the end. <laughs> yeah, I think because you had that mobility that, that I didn't have, I mean, I don't have horses or anything like that. Maybe if you were against a, a swarmy army, you'd find it more difficult to break through and uh, with, with so few models and be surrounded and stuff. But because you're against a small clump of guys and... I, d- I didn't re- I couldn't because I deploy in a big block and the, so did you to be fair but we both deployed in blocks but I found it harder to kind of s- send sp- spread my guys out because I only really have four fighters and four kind of crap people and then a, a, a magician so so I couldn't I couldn't quite work out how to divide things up and I thought if I send the Dwimmer Lake and they get a couple of lucky shots off they've only got one will and as you say they're only coming back on a four plus so if I get two things in hopefully that'll work but didn't quite work that way um but there, there were a lot there was a sort of big melee in the middle that lasted a long time and and i, and I just found it really hard to crack through the defense of the guys let alone the uh, the uh, uh, the sort of resurrection role yeah so and, and the one wound as well um which uh, lets them down a bit but with that resurrection afterwards so yeah like you're saying i think both our dice were pretty bad this game with uh, with wounding rolls um but then Towards the end of the game, it, it came back again and mm. uh, went through your heroes quite quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. I did a few. I did the whole, you know, all or bust kind of strategy with all hero armies. That uh, you you dump a load of might early on in the hope uh, with heroic combats and stuff, and hope that that you can capitalise. And you know, I thought, well, if I do it right with Amda moving from one combat to another with his elven blade, he might be able to help people out. And I did the same with Lotho, but then. I made a bit of a mistake because I had Lotho was kind of on the sidelines and, and so was the Dwimmer Lake and they got picked on a bit and it just, it, it didn't quite work. I, I just sort of ended up almost abandoning them which, which meant that one of my Elven Blades went, went down too early and, and Amda was left kind of carrying the, the weight of the, the, the combats which, which it just meant that I just wasn't going to win really basically. It was, it, was a tr- it was a tricky one. But what, 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 did you, what, what did you, did your plan pay off? I mean, did you have a plan? What were you hoping to do? Uh, yes, yeah, so just going back to what we said earlier, um, sort of spreading my my guys across the um, uh, sorry is it is there um, across across and then going for the each objective and then just using their special rules to to my advantage yeah. um, and then just sort of fully pushing up in the centre um, just to keep you in that one place um, and then yeah just run off the board <laughs> and a clever use of might as well I. In, in many ways a clever restraint in not using your might as well yeah so yeah to the two previous games uh, I sort of used the might too quickly so I went into heroic strikes or um, using it to win fights um, whereas it, especially against uh, elven blades and such it's best to keep it um, until later game um, when they, they start actually wounding you and, um, and then yeah survivability at the end of it yeah and I think it kind of paid off as well because as you say you know you're reluctant to spend that might on strikes and things anyway but also with someone like Gothamog hanging around um, Amda who gets a free strike if you strike against him I guess you're already thinking I don't really want to spend that and then you're like actually I don't care because I'll keep it for uh, for staying alive anyway so it all works out in the end for for you and it ended up being quite a resounding victory again 12-1 to you Um, so that means how are you doing it you've got like two, two wins and a loss is that right uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, two wins and a loss. Um, I'm on uh, VP difference now. Uh, do, 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 plus three. Yeah, yeah. So up there. <laughs> yeah, not not too shabby. Not shabby. And you know, we've had this is the first tournament in ten months or so. I mean, we're in a bubble of six and we're wearing masks everywhere else. But how how do you feel? Do you just being able to roll dice again? 
Oh yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, I've, I've not played the game for a year because of because of COVID. So getting back into it and even playing like local lads that I've not played in ages. Um, no, it's great fun. Can't wait for tomorrow to play more new people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because because we're in the same bubble tonight, but you know tomorrow we get to move on and and and, and sort of spread our wings as it were, which is exciting. But it's just great to be back and and actually hear that hubbub in the room of you know people go oh and cheering at all the different um, events that happen. It's just great to be back. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, can't wait for the next game, which is, should be soon. Yeah, should be soon. Should be soon. Well, let's get let's get moving. Final game of the first day of Rings of Men. We're playing Capture and Control. Uh, so that's the one where you got to flip the objectives over. And I was facing up against a Rohan uh, army of uh, it's the Riders of Aemir with Gandalf with Aemir and Urkenbrand and lots of riders and Matt wielding it. See what I did there. <laughs> Clever. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, Matt Wilding. Uh, so, first of all, uh, you saw the evil army over the other side of the table. You've got a hodgepodge of heroes. Did you fancy your chances? Yeah, because it's you know objective scenario. So you'd have to break up your um, the fellowship, the evil fellowship, which you did, and horses can run and grab those objectives pretty quickly. So, I guess yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely it. I mean, I kind of I. I, I never know what to do in this sort of scenario when I have very few models and I, I know I have to take objectives but I also know I have to preserve life and so let's flip on his head what would you do if you had the nine uh, evil guys evil heroes to try and win an objective scenario like, like this against uh, such a mobile force what would you go about doing? I don't know it's a really tough one because you don't want to sit back too much because I do have shooting and even though like you know, I know that I'd have probably just ran in there anyway, and not bothered shooting too much. Um, someone else might uh, shoot a bit more, um, and it, it's a hard one to avoid. Maybe sitting back and trying to pick off a bit more of the army, and slowly going forwards, and sort of using um, that area, uh, the, the sort of closer to your deployment area, as a kind of um, bottleneck. Maybe, but it's a, it's a hard one. It's a really hard one for a bunch of foot heroes. Yeah, and I think that's the problem, isn't it? Because I, I, there is, as you said, there's a bottleneck there around one objective. So I could have castled in on that objective. And I just thought, well, what am I going to do there? So Gandalf will put up Blinding Light at some point. So my Vraski would be useless. Um, the whips would become useless, although I think they already are. Um, and yeah, yeah, the, the ruffians have got whips. Um, the, so they, they're throwing weapons on the charge. Um, so if I castled up there, I could have done that, but eventually Vraska would be used, and I would definitely lose the shooting wall because, you know, you've got all the bows, as you mentioned. And then I've got to take all the objectives anyway, so I'd be losing probably at least 8-2, and then, then you've got to come and kill me at some point, but I guess you don't need to. So I, I couldn't decide. So I, I decided I'll deploy in the middle, um, which in a big plane, which probably was a mistake, and spread out the guys a bit to try and reach over and grab a tag an objective and then maybe try and castle up in the middle but that you were there so quick that it meant that rather than rather than me sort of grabbing those objectives and coming back that actually it just meant that I just left people on the outskirts of my my central block and it just meant that they all got picked off yeah that's true if they were a bit like you know um, grouped together it might have been a little harder for me to get enough bases to bear because that's something you mentioned earlier actually that you know with me having cav bases it'll be harder to get in but the way you sort of broke up your guys meant i could get quite a few um quite a few in there until some of the later turns where you you know um got priority and managed to stop me from getting as many in 
but by that point, um, the rising sun had appeared. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was filthy, that, that the, the, the shade turn. So this is, if you haven't encountered this before, AMS Legendary Legion is, uh, has a one-turn effect where everyone uh, gets minus one to their uh, combat rolls in the opposing force. So it's essentially having a shade for one turn, but it's battle-wide. So it's, it's really strong, and it worked really well in this, this moment because I, I had, I think, most of my heroic fighty heroes left, um, but it, it neutralised them, and I think that's when I lost... Uh, one of the other uh, fighter heroes. I'm looking over there. I'm thinking which one it was. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. But either way, it was it was a nasty moment, and then it it just took took away all the kind of momentum that I just sort of clawed back. I mean, I don't I, saying I had momentum was probably not true, but because Rasku had gone by that point with all of his might, and the Hobbit and the Ruffian heroes had gone as well. So, and I know they don't sound like much, but actually, it's quite important because they've got their bodies to tag people and to take people away uh, and the Dwimmer Lake had gone as well so I'd lost that magical control that I could neutralise stuff with so I think you're right if I'd have just castled in early on as you say I, I, I knew that if, if I castled up together it might have worked in my favour but it, it, it just didn't because I just left everyone so exposed and also especially in that first turn that you charged in um, Gothmog and Sullivan were slightly to the side and you could just avoid them because um, I'd won the priority and you got to charge and um, so I moved before then and all that sort of stuff so you, they just didn't get involved in the first turn and even the banner which, which is a big big downside yeah that's, uh, that's true um, yeah uh, you, you charged in with Amder, and by then you'd sort of broken them up, and those, you had two on the objective that were way outside, like six from getting close to Amder. I didn't throw that many guys into Amder actually, uh, but um, I think the, the ruffians struggled because they were next to Amder, and, and they struggle against just just a rider uh, who's charged them. So yeah, it, it was it was a bad move. It was a bad move. Maybe it was cider influenced. Maybe it was just bloodthirsty uh, uh, bloodlust. I don't know. Either way, it was a, a 12-1 victory. Oh, no, was it 12-0? No, it was 12-0. It was 12-0 in the end. So that's another 12-0 loss to me and the, uh, the evil fellowship. But, Matt, well done. Uh, it's another win to you. Um, how, how's this put you for the day? It's not another win for me. Uh, <laughs> oh, OK. So this is my yeah, yeah. Oh, well, at least you got a win today. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have given you that. I've gifted you this. I mean, I'd say I did it deliberately, but it really wasn't. But um, either way, you know, we've played four games now. This is the first tournament in nearly a year. I mean, how have you felt just being able to roll dice again? Oh, it's brilliant. Um, other than forgetting some rules, uh, I feel like it's, it's like no time has passed. <laughs> yeah, it does. It feels like we slotted into it relatively quickly. And, you know, obviously we're on these bubbles and we have to wear masks when we're moving around and things like that. But, but actually it feels kind of pretty normal at our tables. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, and we we all know each other and stuff. So it's literally like just slipping back into uh, old times. Absolutely, it feels like the time before COVID to uh, BC. Either way, there we go. Final game of the day. So we return tomorrow morning with I think three or four more games. Three probably more games, and then we shall see if uh, if the fantasy the evil fantasy fellowship will manage to draw a win eventually. We'll find out. So game one of day two and the evil fellowship coming up against a lovely thematic uh, kind of fellowship but with elves army that Aidan Lummer's painted. And Aidan, um, we came up against each other. With it. You had a kind of similar theme with fellowship and elves but you had Bombadil last time. Um, 
what made you change your, your theme this time and, and what do you like about these guys? So I just thought I'd progress on the theme from last year. So it was kind of a fellowship theme from last year where they were leaving the Shire going towards Rivendell. At this point, it's they've uh, just left Moria and they're retreating into Lothlorien. So it's Haldir saving them from some goblins. Uh, originally, it was going to be some kings with some conversions, but I didn't quite have time to get them all finished. So I thought I'd just go for something nice and simple and thematic at the same time. Fair enough. It's, it's a lovely, lovely um, theme, and I love that you've got those sort of beautiful little uh, white flowers with the little bobbles on that kind of give a lot of verticality to the bases, and the colour scheme is beautiful and sort of bluey greens and all that sort of stuff. You can tell you're a, a good painter and you put, put a lot of time and effort in. Yeah, I find that I, I find painting very therapeutic, and I just really enjoy spending loads of hours on one model and then going, yeah. I'm happy with that after all that. Absolutely. Well, what did you think of the, the game, though? I mean, you, so you, you saw my evil fellowship over the other side of the table. It's a bit of a hodgepodge of random evil characters. What did you think? Did you think you had a chance of winning, or, or did you fancy your chances, I suppose? Um, had you have asked me that yesterday, I would have said yes. I, I think that would have been a really fun list for us to go against. Yeah. Uh, seeing that it's, uh, who was it, Suladan got a Mighty Hero to counter everything that Aragorn did was painful, but it, it did make it really interesting. But you just outmighted me. And yeah, it was uh, it was from there really. Yeah, yeah. So on the end of day one, you get um, awarded a, a special rule for um, for thematic or silly army lists, and um, I was awarded the Ring of Barahir, which gave my uh, leader um, the Mighty Hero special rule, which is Suladan. So I, not only do I have Blood and Glory, uh, Master of Battle, but now I also have uh, Suladan uh, with Mighty Hero, which. Which did come into play quite a lot. I mean, Suladan eventually spent all his might, but almost every turn he was able to do something. And he, either he was calling first with a free one, or um, Gothmog was countering for free with uh, with stuff. So I just had that might. Um, but also, I think your um, your army ended up in a bit of a, a split up kind of vibe because um, one of the first things that I. I realised about this game is that we're playing um, Heirlooms of Ages Past and it's a Maelstrom deployment and I got to use Bill Fernie's special rule which is planting a spy in a, a warband and minus wanting them for the deployment role which, which actually helped because I think it meant your army was a little bit more split up than it could have been. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was only thankful to a few marches from Aragorn that they were able to sort of come together in that corner where you were holding your, making your stand if it were and uh, it, yeah, there's just so much might in that list. But there's so much might on both sides. It gets really, really interesting. And it just comes down to the roll-offs a lot of the time. Yeah, it, it was. There was a fair few roll-offs uh, that, that didn't go so well. But I think, actually, the, the other advantage I have is that Dwimmerlake had um, had his, his special rule, which is the first game, game I've actually found it to be worth using. But because um, there was so much might on your side, I could just double your spend of might and, and drain that, that resource a lot quicker. So it gave me even more of a might advantage, which I think really helped, especially in the towards the later game where people like Boromir, I'd drained an extra two he sp- ended up having to spend four point- points of might to win a combat against Rowan Thistlewood he didn't, he didn't oh. even win the combat so yeah. we ended up burning four points of might and then uh, Dwimmer Lake just went no sorry and then I think he ended up get- taking a wound from him as well so it was quite embarrassing for Boromir yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was pretty brutal but um, the, really it actually came down to one courage test now um, you, I, I'd castled up around this one objective and I wasn't touching the objective. I was going to hold the, the heirloom and, and wait for you to tag all the others. Um, but you cleverly didn't do that. You tagged four out of the five or, or six or whatever it is. Um, and then Merry and Pippin head up some stairs and they weren't tagging that one. And then an elf had head around the corner and wasn't tagging that one. And then um, you, you ended up hovering around. So I was, we were kind of in this almost this stalemate, having a big battle while nobody claimed any of the objectives. And then I, I think basically we, I slowly churned through your stuff and then 
Merry and Pippin decided, right, we're going to pick up the objective. The elf had the objective then, um, and it all all went. Oh, and, and you sent someone around the back to claim my one. That was it. Yeah, a crucial element. So. Um, it ended up being this 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 one elf in the corner, and there was this furious stampede of Rowan Thistlewood heading over there. Gothmog was heading up to the elves, and and then Boromir and other people started charging over there because this one elf failed his courage check. The only one out of four or five elves, and um, he was the only one out of range of Harbinger of Evil, and he failed his courage check. I mean. How did you feel in that moment? That was a bit devastating because, like you say, there were three elves that I needed to fail, really, because it, it would have ended the game after that turn. And they all passed, easy, and the one model that needed to pass his courage check on a 5+, plus just flopped it. It was, it, it was brutal, and I, could, and I, I just I felt, oh, this is so crushing, because it, it is an unfair way to win, because I like, you know, I, it, because of that I ended up winning, I don't know how, what the score was, but it's six or something, nil, or three, or I did, something like that, but either way, it was, it's just so devastating for you, but it was, it was a really good game, and actually I think um, we've both taken quite thematic and hero-heavy li- uh, lists, um, and I think because we had so much resources to, to use against one another, and so many little tricks, like the, I was really scared of Legolas because he kept banging arrows at us and, and took all, almost all of Gothmog's fate away and his wounds and stuff like that so it, it just meant that everything there was a very even keel I think until until the Dwimmerlake kind of started taking your might away and, and I started copying your stuff but I think maybe if you'd had one extra turn of shooting with um, Legolas or, or the, the elves and killed Gothmog that would have really swung the tide because I wouldn't have had the master of battle and it would have really sucked away my resources yeah absolutely if I'd have been a, yeah like you said that one extra turn of shooting because I think Gothmog survived most of the game with no fate and one wounds so if I'd just been able to knock him off it, it might have gone differently but I think the Dwimmerlake was your MVP just he sucked so much might out of Aragorn and Boromir that it just made it difficult for them to do much yeah and he, and he, I, I, he did some a couple of uh, compels and stuff that drained some of your resources as well which was good but um, and I think I, I, I was quite happy with how I had targeted some of the elves because um, early on Vrasku and Amdo went on a sort of scouting mission where he's got the elven blade and the uh, fight six and uh, Vrasku's got a bit of extra strength just to guarantee it but um, they, they came up against two elves and finished them off and I sort of slowly started whittling away your numbers early on because I knew defend, uh, sorry, fight five elves um, against my heroes is a pain because I've got a lot of fight five heroes so um, managed to do that and then I think that meant that I could get a bit of momentum and get around the people where I wanted to get the strikes in the places but um, it was it was good fun and and yeah really really cool army as well so um, any final thoughts any sort of strategies you think you could have could have done differently um, passing uh, passing that one courage chest would be my one for next time but um, no I think it was it was a really fun game um, I don't think there's much else I really would have would have been able to do you know, like I said Dwimmer Lake really won it for you any other race this game might have been a bit different but he was he worked really well with the with the other heroes that you put into it and it was it was really nicely played it was good fun Amazing. cheers Aidan and uh, on to game number seven six something like that anyway we've not got many left Game number six of Rings of Men and uh, playing against Aaron and uh, Barlin's Expedition Army. Very nice stuff. Uh, lots and lots of armoured dwarves and uh, a blister as well. So, Aaron, first of all, we've got this unusual terrain here with these massive, massive buildings which are massively out of scale but, but still enormous and and line of sight blocking I decided to put my fellowship in this little block in a corner and once I'd done that and you'd sort of lined up your uh, ballista and all that sort of stuff there was this first couple of turns where uh, I could have basically hidden behind the building what did you think was going to happen for the rest of the game when when I did that for those first couple of turns and what did you think was going to happen as an outcome of the whole game 
I was going to play it that um, I was going to sit back and just shoot you and just take wounds off but when you hit I was like well I'll give it another turn and if you stay hidden I'll, I'll have to move forward um, you didn't spoiler alert um, you, you popped your head out and I moved forward so yeah that's that's the way we played it from there isn't yeah, it yeah I, I wondered whether I was going to just stand behind the thing and then you might have gone you know what let's just leave it as a draw but I, I didn't think that was likely but I didn't want to be the person to hide behind the building and just wait for you to come as well so I was glad that it ended up doing that so there's a couple of marches uh, a few marches from Sullivan and the um, uh, the sort of infinite might that uh, I've been gifted during this tournament and then they finally clashed and it was a bit of a bit of a mess really there was a lot of dwarves a lot of combats a lot of people struggling to wound um, high wound models but also a lot of dwarves struggling to win the combats how did you find it as a as a sort of battle really well it's a dice game so and you were rolling hot so all those sixes in the dual rolls I just couldn't do anything about it except for just laugh yeah um had I won more fights, I probably could have whittled, whittled down your wounds a bit more and, and, and pulled ahead a little bit, but yeah. It, it was insane. I'll, I'll completely admit that. I think every time I did a banner re-roll, it was, it was coming up as a yeah. six. And, and it, it, with the all-hero army like this, that's all I can rely on, really. I'm assuming that I'm going to have uh, sixes and then burn out of might eventually. But um, it just didn't ever happen. I mean, even at the end of the game, Gothmog still got a point of might. Um, Vrasku is still standing but everyone slowly slowly whittled down but crucially it, it meant that I, I just churned through um, your dwarves even on the, as you say the sixes I, was just, I wasn't just rolling them in the fights I was rolling in them in the strike rolls as well and they're just slowly chipping away at your guys which must have been frustrating yeah it was but um, yeah I think there was a tipping point as well where um, I knew there was a tipping point there but we didn't know where quite it was um, so if you did a certain amount of wounds, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't catch you. So yeah, we got to that point, and it just yeah, yeah. I don't know. And I, I don't think we actually got to that tipping point because I, I, in the end, I killed twenty five models and, and twenty five fate as well, and um, and you took off twenty. But we did some maths at the end. There were six points remaining for you to take uh, the thing. Sorry, it's just to clear things up. It's Lords of Battle we were playing. I didn't mention. And um, so you're trying to get as many wounds on my guys, but there was only six wounds left but I'd got 25 so I was just under so maybe one more turn I would have um, I'd have it had been out of reach for you but either either way it was incredibly close and took an incredibly long time it was almost a full two hours yeah that last that last turn it was all about that last turn and I I took out a few characters that I I thought maybe maybe I could have won because because you were you were getting down to what four three four models at that stage and I thought yeah that that is mine and to be honest when we finished the game I thought it was my game until we added it up so that yeah, yeah that was great yeah yeah so was I I was I, I, I sort of thought oh, well done well done you know Sullivan went down and the Dwimmerlink had lost his last point of will and and Amder had gone down the turn before that and it's like oh okay that's it now I've got only two models left so surely I can't have won but it turned out I had um, just because I'd been able to do just enough to to tip it over the edge but it was really tense and I think I, it's, it's hard to explain uh, in a podcast but the, there was some really intricate movements going on that um, I, I, I was quite happy with some of the movements I did to try to use the Dwimmerlake to move people in the way and the way you position models to block you off and, and blocking the right characters off like stopping say the fearless models getting into the Dwimmerlake, yeah. stuff like that and I, I thought that 
I, I was quite proud of that, if I'm honest. Oh, you, yeah, you played it well. You made it really hard for me. And I think I said at one point during the game that um, great placement there because I couldn't I couldn't surround your models, which is what I wanted to do. But yeah, it was it was great placement, and it's something you have to deal with with a list that you're playing, an yeah. all-hero list. Absolutely, and there wasn't any terrain on the board, so uh, in this area that we ended up going, because I had to charge towards the ballista, otherwise I'd have just died. Um, so it, it was interesting. And uh, there was a couple of... There was one um, spell that I didn't get to go off as well, which would have blocked even more people off and things like that so and I think it's a, it's a good lesson for people playing with um, these kind of armies to use those magic and block you j- just moving a, a character around or even an infantry model around can stop someone like Balin getting through which which really really helped um, tip the tip the balance in my favor for a, for a good few turns there yeah yeah and as well I, I don't think you've mentioned it either there using compel um, you you blocked my ballista which meant I only actually got two shots off and both obviously missed but it meant that you didn't have to put up against that that ballista hitting one of your heroes and taking him out before he had a chance to get into combat. Yeah, that, that's important one to know. Yeah, that, that is a good point. And and because ultimately, if those ballistas hit any of my heroes, they're all they're all probably going down in one go because I've got fate and uh, it's one fate and I'm dead. Um, and I've only got one fate on most of my uh, heroes, so it would have been a really really tricky one. But either way, Aaron, it was an absolute pleasure. It was really really tense game, but um, I hope a fun one as well. Especially as a five three victory in the end, but very very close all the way through and all the way down to the to the last tallying up. I, I genuinely thought I'd lost. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed the game. It, uh, yeah, like I said earlier in it, it, it sort of a it was a brain melt because we had to we had to um, think about manoeuvring and and positioning so much. But yeah, yeah, thank you so much. That was a great game. Really enjoyed it. So the final game, and uh, we meet a. a Old friend or an old enemy, I suppose. <laughs> Matt Wilding, who played yesterday uh, with the Riders of Rohan and uh, well, the Riders of Aemir, and uh, we meet again in a slightly different matchup, but also quite similar. The objectives, and um, so you've got nine objectives. But I think what I think is di- a little different this time was a I hadn't had as many beers, um, but also and um, there was a bit more <laughs> there was a bit more um, terrain on the table. And um, did you did? Did you sort of think that you had a, had the upper hand again, that you were going to do a 12-1 or 12-0 or whatever we did yesterday again? Uh, no, not really. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at where you deployed right at the beginning and this sort of cluster of built ruins and then this massive sort of rock and then um, seeing where you went in your first turn to sort of utilise that, I was like, oh no, this is going to be really tough yeah. compared to yesterday's. Yeah, I think yesterday I, I we, we spoke about I made that crucial mistake of splitting my army up and um, chasing a couple of kills early on, which I didn't need to. This time, I just went right. Okay, there's a, a six-inch square bit, um, as you say, surrounded by three sets of ruins. So there's all these sort of gaps that are going to be really hard for Riders of Rohan to get through. And then there's another little six-inch block uh, next to a, a, another set of ruins and another massive terrain piece. So I just went straight for those bits and, and also went straight for the warband, which was on that side, which I think uh, really, really helped me in terms of uh, uh, getting, the, getting the sort of early momentum. I mean, that first turn, that first combat that I did, I, I basically managed to get Amder, Suladan, Gothmog, everyone into combat apart from maybe a Hobbit um, and the Dwimmer Lake and called all the heroic combats I could possibly do and I churned through eight riders and Erkenbrand in the end and it was pretty devastating I mean I, when you when that happened what 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 was your reaction oh something I probably shouldn't say uh, <laughs> on the podcast uh, yeah I, yeah I was 
Yeah, I thought you had it then. Um, definitely. I was kicking myself for letting Erkenbrand get in a position where he could be heroic on so easy. I tried to heroic as well to kind of get out. Well, there wasn't really a way out. So I, I kind of just did it to spend my might and maybe kill the guy I was in combat with, which I did, but then, of course, lost Erkenbrand. Yeah. Um, and AMO was so far away, he couldn't come and help, you know. It's I think, because I'd, I'd intended originally to um, to go into Gandalf with everyone and try and surround Gandalf and take him out, because you hadn't yet called your blinding light thing, the light of the, whatever you call the Rohan uh, special bonus for this legion, and I wanted to launch onto Gandalf and surround him with all my heroes and kill him in one go, and I might have been able to do it, but um, you, the heroic move blocked that channel off, your one, because um, it pushed, it, you killed... Uh, Bill Fernie or something, and then moved into one of the hobbits, but it blocked off that route for Amber and people to get into um, into the uh, uh, into Gandalf. So it, it did pay off in a sense because I might have ganked Gandalf, or I might not have killed him, and then you might have still had Erkenbrand. But either way, I got Erkenbrand, so I was quite happy with that, and it took your courage out. But from then on, it was a little bit more of a slog because you you got that um, all all important um, buff, so you you got a couple more wounds and, and certainly wooden uh, more combats the next turn. But slowly, I was chipping away through through everything and calling all the right things in the right time. And I I thought I I genuinely thought I had this game tied up, but of course, it's an objective game. And um, basically, I didn't keep my eye, or on, I, really, I didn't keep my eye on the end conditions because both of us quartered in the same turn, and you just kind of happened to have that that horse free the turn before, so you jumped on it. And then I think I don't know about you, but I was surprised that that it, and we, we the uh, the court we all caught, both quartered in the same turn. I don't know whether you kind of saw that coming and, and had planned it ahead, or whether it was just a happy accident. No, that was a happy accident. I didn't plan on quartering. Um, I didn't plan myself quartering. I didn't plan on you quartering. Um, that, yeah, that rider, as you said, just happened to pass his check and not have any combats to go into. So I set him on the objective. Uh, I think we, yeah, we both got very sort of focused on the fight in the middle mm. and neglected the uh, end the objectives at all. Which, um, <laughs> yeah, was was a little silly of us, but we had we had a good. Oh yeah, I mean we had some great combats. It was a great, and there was a, so this war of me trying to take down Gandalf a couple of turns in a row, and and I never quite got a good chance to really surround Aemir. And um, I did probably, I probably could have pushed towards him a bit more, but for some reason I got distracted by wanting to kill Gandalf and then go to get Aemir just to clear up some space. But and I was I was very wary that if I don't charge Gandalf, he'll be either um, sorceress blasting or, or you know immobilizing people and that's pretty crucial so I wanted to get him uh, tied down at the very least but um, yeah I, stupidly I, if I'd have pushed Suladan who still had might left um, at the end into AMR and got a strike off there's a good chance I'd have got at least that one wound which would have changed it from being a 2-1 win to you to a to all or, or something like that either way it was it was a it was a tremendous game though and that that I've heard people tell tales of those heroic combat chains, and it, and I've always thought, oh, I want to do that. That sounds great. And this time, it really, really worked. It was awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I was, I was very scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was the first turn. I almost broke your army, which was insane. So, and other than that. It's you know final uh, game of the two-day tournament, and we you know we played once before, but we've been bubbled up together, and we've ended up um, playing again. But how do you feel coming to the end of a seven-day tournament after all these all these many months without one? I'm tired, um, but uh, no, it's just felt like we've um, slipped right back into it. To be honest, um, 
yeah it's going to be weird not going to any for a while as well for myself um <coughs> But yeah, it's like no time has passed in a way. <laughs> Although I, I do find I forget how exhausting these these seven uh, game uh, over two day events are. Oh yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah. Especially with the the booze on the uh, Saturday night. Either way, uh, Matt, uh, a two one victory to you. Well done. And what does that put you in the end? About sort of four wins and three losses, something like that. Four wins, three losses. Yeah. Awesome. And not quite as good for me, but still, I'm pretty proud of myself. So there you go. Rings of men, all over and done with. Almost. We're going to find out who wins, and also. Uh, sort of about all, all the various other different bits and bobs they've got giving out awards for all this that and the other so we'll find out throughout the podcast and talk to Will as well so let's chat to the winner of Rings of Men or the top of the podium um, with a, a pretty themey army actually for you George as well yeah, it's a nice enough um, it's George Stromberg well done yeah thank you thank you thank you <laughs> so first of all um, you, you had the it wasn't the Lurzer Scouts it was the Ugluck Scouts right and um, what is it about the Ugluck Scouts that you think did so well in this tournament um, so they get the move bonus which is usually one point which we got for free and then so that is okay I think people think that's better than it is but you combine orcs with uruks in combat and when they're in combat together they give plus one wound so for example a scout captain with a two-handed axe is strength five pierce and strike makes it six going two-handed and getting army bonus makes him forced to wound smog so yeah that's pretty powerful powerful. and there's a lot and you get a lot of models I mean how many guys do you squeeze into it and what's the sort of makeup of the army that, that made it work for you so you have to bring Uruks with Uruk captains and you have to bring Orcs with Orc leaders. So I had three ball bands full of Uruks and one more band nearly full of Orcs. I have 51 models, I fit in two banners, I had 17 bows. I had basically, I think as an army itself, it kind of has everything. So it doesn't have cav, but you move, you move eight. If you call a heroic march, you move 11. And if you have the drum, you move 14. So that's better than cav. It's strength four, fight four. It's, I think it's a bit strong, if I'm honest. Yeah. On top of that, I think it's good without the plus one to wound bonus. You get plus one to wound bonus, so there was like games where I was fighting Bayon and I was just wounding him all the time very easily on fives and stuff like that. So I think, I think, not that I don't know how to play, but I think the list kind of won the tournament, not me. But I did build the list for this tournament. So well, that, that's true, and, and it, you know it's got some theme to it. But so you, you've got board control because you've got fifty models. You've got speed. You've got um, ability to kill stuff, and and you seem to be able to deal with big big monsters and stuff as well did you come up against any armies that you particularly struggled against or was there anything that you saw here that you thought you might struggle against um honestly in terms of the list and the seven scenarios that we played like i said i wrote the list knowing what scenarios it was there's not a scenario that i would have played that i was bothered what my opponent had so obviously there's somebody here who's got six ends if he had six ends and i matched him in lord of battle i probably would have lost that that's that but on average, I think that list did well in all the scenarios, regardless of my opponent. Unless the opponent brings something so abstract like a smog, then you can't really plan for that. So, yeah, I think it's just strong in everything. So I played five Eagles and Bayon, and that was the first to dig up the prize. But I found the prize in turn one. So I thought, so that could easily, I don't think that was due to my army or skill. If he found the prize with an Eagle, I would never have caught him. But I found the prize with my drum, so he couldn't catch me. So, yeah, so there and there. But I think as a list, I think if someone said to me, let's play a game and you have to win, I'd probably take this army. I, don't, I think it's the best army at the moment. At the moment, which is better than Riders of Thed and better than the you know Corsairs or better than the uh, you know Rangers of Athelion. These or Goblin Town. Would, would do you think you could take on all of those sort of top tier armies that people talk about a lot? Yeah, yeah. I think um, so. I used to always think Riders of Theodon were the best list. I ran that a lot and I did great success with that. This is the first. I've never even play tested the list I have today. It's very forgiving because you don't have a big hero point sink, so I don't make many mistakes. I have two banners, so if I manage to lose a banner, my other banner just keeps up the slack. 
I mean, I move so fast. If I forget to do something or lose an objective, I can just get... Like, in the last game of Domination, I was, wasn't on any objectives. And then in one turn, I got on, like, six of them with one in one turn. So, it's, I feel like the... I guess what it's called is a very forgiving army. When you take Cav, if you do something really rubbish or you don't know what you're doing, you could lose the game in one turn. This is a bunch of Uruks, so even when you do something bad, they're not dying that much anyway. Yeah. Yeah. People often go on about like, Horde armies are kind of the, the the best stuff. So, you know, your Goblin Town is, is considered among the you know the best games. And, and I guess you've got that. You've got that element of having 50 or so models at 700 points, which is something else. But... You, and you don't have spear supports and things, but or do you? I, I mean, suppose the Yorks can take spears as well, can't they? So Yeah, so I take spears with most of the Orcs. If I was playing it, like I said, super theme, I had 11 Orcs. I only had six spears because I only had six spear-armed Orcs. Mm. You definitely should take all spears. But then that also counteracts the fact that you only get the plus one bonus when the Orcs are actually base contact. So even though I had spears, I was just charging them in anyway. I wasn't even really using them as spears unless I already had Orcs in the combat. Right, okay. Yeah. So, so, so the majority of army is actually the Urukai. So you've got 40 or so Urukai and then 11 Orcs. So that's... That's, so that's, it's a ratio. So I suppose it's clever. You've got to cleverly put your orcs into the right positions to make sure you get those wounding bonuses when you really need it. Yeah. So when I was deploying, I deployed. If you imagine like a zigzag line of orcs, and then I zigzagged the orcs inside the orcs. So it was just orc, 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 orc along the whole line. And then also, just as I add a bonus to the orcs and orcs, it counts for heroes as well. So Grishnak is like, I think he's like 40 points, 45 points. He is strength four, but he has plus one to wound if he traps someone and plus one to wound if he's with an uruk. So him and Mahur were just wiping out any massive threat. It didn't matter how big they were. I was just, plus two to wound is absolutely jack- outrageous. So. Yeah. yeah that's and, and that's even against like u- uber heroes. And, I'm, and as you mentioned, you've already come up against Bayorn and, and Gwai here. And, and, you know, the, the high fight value didn't pose a problem. Yeah. Um, I think as well, also it's 10 might. So, so if it's a list that's got massive heroes, they don't have many heroes. So I beat Aragorn, I beat Bayorn, beat Quahir twice. Um, yeah, I, I, most lists that I played, I beat three Mordor Trolls in one list. So I tabled four of my seven opponents in the time limit. So it's definitely strong. Like I said, that's not necessarily my player skill. I think the list is a bit too strong. I think you undersell yourself though, because you don't, you don't often do badly in tournaments. No, no I don't. Um, uh, yeah, when I play competitive, I, I put in a lot of tournaments that I reach. But I think this list help me podium more than if I didn't bring the list obvious. which is obviously it's kind of not credit myself because I had to play the list and I had to build the list and etc etc but yeah I don't really play evil a lot either so for example shooting into combat Urukai have good bows and I shot into combat and killed myself by accident quite a few times and it works out beneficial and it's not a tactic that I've ever used ever before because I don't run hit evil so even things like that like this list was probably even better than I, I used it because things like that just shooting yourself in combat makes it even better and stabbing so you kill yourself I don't do none of them things if I was doing them things I might have won all seven games I don't know <laughs> Well, either way, George, it's, it's always interesting to hear your insight and uh, well done on winning this tournament. Well done. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So here at the end of all things, at the end of the Rings of Men, uh, we've got Will Champion tournament organiser and, and a regular fixture on Entmoot. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Hello there. <laughs> Hello. Um, so as, as tournament organiser and, uh, of course, um, you know, involved in the uh, Seventh City Collectibles, the, the shop we're all in, um, how did you feel, A, being able to push ahead with the tournament and B, seeing all these people here enjoying their time? Despite the tiredness in my voice, uh, absolutely elated. Um, it was lovely to have everybody back in. We knew that we could run the event safely. We, you know, with all the guidelines, it was you know it's an inconvenience with the uh, the restrictions not being lowered as we expected them, but we could still make it work. And I think everybody still had an awesome time, which is all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been masks everywhere. There's been uh, doors open to let all the air through, and and you know people people. I think people were being pretty sensible. So I, I, I and it's nice to nice to be able to have that interaction, even as you say with this pod system. It's a bit awkward, but it it works, doesn't it? And and people can still have the games that we w- really want to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a bit of player autonomy required, especially on day one. I just didn't see the point in having, um, you know, me trying to sort of seed pods and then have, have it all be Swiss throughout the first day. It was a case of there's six people, you're going to play four games, you know, have at it, guys. You, you know, you're all competent, you know how to count. Um, so it was quite nice. Obviously, we're really busy. We did table service as well, which is a, a huge use of time. But I think players appreciated it because they can just crack on with the games. Um, so I'd call it a great success. Yeah. And because and it's a theme tournament as well, it's uh, you know there's lots of different um, create cool scenarios and, and adaptions and things like that. And people came with largely very thematic uh, forces. I, I, I can't think of a ultra competitive force. There were a few legendary legions which were very good, but either way, everyone kind of seemed to buy into the spirit. Yeah, I think um, legendary legions have brought their own sort of peril with theme play in that. They are innately theme otherwise they wouldn't be a legendary legion, but they're also very, very good. Um, so the only sort of um, concurrent theme through most people's list was there was quite a lot of Rohan. Like that was that was probably the most prominent figure, um, all of which I think were um, Theoden's Riders, which again, it's super theme but is also very, very competitive. Mm. Um, I've won events with it. Other people have won events with it. It's a good list. So even bringing that to an 80-pointer, it's still going to do well. That being said, it didn't podium. So, you know, the uh, the better players prevailed, I suppose. Yeah, and, and the pod system, it actually creates some quite interesting dynamics for, in terms of, as you mentioned, Swiss ranking. The pod system in day one means that people are playing the same people on day one and then the best people then go into one shark tank at the top almost. And and I quite like that because it means, you know, the people who've played four games and do really well on day one are all together in their little thing and they can just duke it out. And, and you did end up with some really top-tier players in there and they all pretty much got to play each other from what I can gather yeah absolutely um, one of the funny things was three of the players in the top pod were in a pod together on the first day um, so they clearly all just wailed on some poor uh, <laughs> un- unfortunate like low seeds that got put in their pod um, but that, that's inevitable What one thing that is not interesting about the um, the pods is obviously it restricts certain matchups from happening mm. and so from um, the the start of day two Anyone that was in any of the top three pods could still win the event if if the stars aligned in a certain way. Um, so when it came to the final game and people asking if they you know if they still have to play their redraws and things like that, um, the top three pods still had to because there was a chance that someone could squeak it, um, which made made for a bit of an interesting um, thing for you know for how like who was going to go where and you know there, there's certainly no big brain plays for um 80 point events but if someone was to you know get a draw on you know at the right time in the right scenario it would then put them in a maybe an easier pod does it make it uh, more difficult to do the maths behind the scenes having all these extra sort of restrictions on the six pod limit um it doesn't make it any more difficult for me it just takes longer because normally you, you write a i'm going to say an algorithm which makes it sound very complex but it is just a custom sort on excel um and normally you just do one as a bulk instead you have to do it six times like that that's the extent of it really and then then one big swiss at the end of day one one big swiss at the end of day two did you notice so other than the rohan did you notice any themes of the sort of things that people were taking that perhaps they haven't taken in previous years um, not too sure about previous years. Obviously, with COVID being COVID, we've not really had much time to play anything. So a lot of people that would come to an 80-pointer where they're looking to take something themey and fun, they would kind of take something that was familiar to them. They wouldn't necessarily come out with one of the new lists from Quest of the Ringbearer, for example. We did have a Black Riders Legion, um, which did very well. I think it was top five-ish, question mark. Mm-hmm. Another one that's very themey, but also probably horrendous to play against if you've just brought your fellowship or something sweet like that. Um <laughs> Apart from that, what other new things did we have? Um, 
We had the uh, Ugluk Scouts or Alerts of Scouts. I can't remember which way around it was, but and, and that ended up winning. But that was War of Rohan, so that's yeah, so a bit that, old now. That's a, it's a relatively aged, um, an ageless, aged like fine wine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean that was a winner. He did really well with that, which was interesting. Second place was Corsairs, the defending champion from last year. Third place was All Arnor, no, no frills, just um, straight up defense six chod. Yeah, and, and I, pl- I played against that army, and it is a lot of bodies um, and with 40 or something defence six spears. It's, it's hard to beat that. Yeah, it, it's something that I've doubled with as well because it, it's what you've got is a very solid profile and a way to deal with the one shortcoming, which is their courage, and you have a fearless leader with a 12-inch standfast. So for the most part, like you, you're kind of fine, especially at an event like this where any list that people are taking are normally really good at one thing and one thing in particular, you know, just based around the theme. So he kind of had a, a pretty smart run. I think he took it just because he really, really wanted to take Arnold, but it wasn't a bad choice. Yeah. Well, Will, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And you're heading off to more events, I'm sure, in the next few few months. Are, are you are you excited to compete yourself and to you know get back into rolling dice and, and moving toy soldiers across the tabletops? I would love to say that I'm competing, and I've I've talked about retiring before, and I, I've always come back like a really bad sequel. Um, because I'm the events coordinator here, most of my weekends are taken up by running events, which is great in one way, sad in another. Although in a couple of weeks, I am going to a, a weird event in Lincoln, uh, which I've been press-ganged into coming to, and I'm very, very <laughs> excited. I can't wait to see you there, Will. It's an absolute pleasure, as always. Thank you very much. There you go, Will Champion there, uh, the tournament organiser of the Rings of Men, and uh, what a great weekend had by all, and uh, thanks to George Stromberg again there for chatting to me after the tournament, give, give us some insight onto that uh, legendary legion, the, the Isengard Scouts, the Uruk Scouts, I've got an army of these guys, maybe I'll give them a run, maybe I'll do some successful things, or maybe I'll just turn up to a tournament with another stupid list, as I keep doing <laughs> in the rest of the uh, tournaments I've ever been to. Um, but either way, it's great fun great fun and uh, just just really nice to be back playing toy soldiers again it's been an absolute pleasure um so uh, with that in mind i should give some uh, name shout outs because um the we, we've got a lot of winners there um you know heard the applause for for george who'd won but there's of course other people and actually this rings of men gives out awards for various different uh, really cool things um and i i just I, I think it's worth giving these people a shout out so um you know the podium where andrew greenwood who, who we played um you had heard from andrew early on in the podcast he's the arnold guy which i've really struggled against so andrew uh third so that's always nice to hear that someone who smashed me went on to podium uh Aaron Pullen, lovely bloke, Aaron. Uh, it's always nice. I always catch up with Aaron at the at tournaments. Uh, Corsair Army did very well. And uh, George Stromberg um, in first as well, as we heard from already. But Aaron in second there. Um, theme uh, went to Callum Edens, uh, who bought an army he called Eistelings, which were really super duper cool. Um, Callum has also uh, given a big shout out to Callum because uh, he's completely trumped me on a coverage of this tournament. Um, he uh, is Hedge Knight Wargaming on YouTube. He's done game interviews, uh, video interviews with people. He's talked about lists and he's uh, done a couple of interviews as well with uh, Will. So, um, 
If you want to see some other stuff uh, about the tournament, if you want to uh, soak in more tournament atmosphere, Callum's got a, a YouTube channel there with a lot of coverage. Um, and uh, final one goes to more, most sporting was Alex Brackner. Now, I've never played Alex. I've bought um, toy soldiers from him. He's a known uh, tradesman. Uh, he sends uh, sends uh, uh, toys all over. Um, I've never had a game against him, but by all accounts, he's a lovely bloke. So most sporting uh, is Alex. And uh, I, every time I sort of cross pa- pass with Alex, I, I sort of have a nice sort of hello and a jovial sort of exchange and uh, I know we've sort of spoken to one another uh, uh, via uh, messenger over toy soldiers and, and all that sort of stuff so so I really want to play him at some point but uh, alas not yet uh, one of the Nottingham crew um, so in, in deep with all of the uh, the Warhammer world um, and the sort of um, actual staffers GW staffers I, I believe he knows a lot of them quite well so there you go uh, but either way a big shout out to those five and of course to Will Champion uh, tournament organiser who we had just heard from uh, it's always nice to catch up with will and um and to barney as well who uh, is one of the uh, uh, other owners of the shop barney menzies who i think we've spoken to in the past um certainly at uh, seven stones uh, many many moons ago now so there you go that's the first tournament back it's so exciting but it's sad that it's over but don't worry because there's more excitement on the way it's getting so good because um essentially coming up soon there will be coverage of my own tournament that's right uh, so I'm releasing this hopefully in the week in the run up to my own tournament um, the uh, Lord of the Imps um, so that will be the next thing it is it's going to be really cool I've got 50 something people here uh, it's going to be great we're going to just have a chat with people we're going to have some beers on the night it's just going to be super awesome so yeah I, I can't wait and there's lots of cool restrictions about uh, the thing so I'll delve into some of that um, during the course of another episode um, which will probably be the next episode episode unless something drastic goes wrong um so with that in mind there's one more thing i wanted to mention um because this was the first tournament back in like you know like forever um basically i thought it would be fun to do um a little bit of a video kind of thing um i don't i don't do this and i don't think i'll do this again um but i have gone out and videoed um, essentially, the, um, the, tor- the the tournament and some interviews and gotten some all, uh, video footage of each of the uh, armies I played against and all that sort of stuff because I, I I thought it would be nice to just give a bit of a shout out to it essentially um, because there are some lovely armies on display and I I really want to make a, a thing of doing this in the future and doing some um, some social videos just for the socials just for the Insta and all that sort of stuff so you can see the armies that I come up against I can't imagine I will do it every time because. I always forget, especially when you're in the midst of gaming. But um, I made a bit of a special effort this time. So um, check out the YouTube channel Battle Games in Middle Earth if you want to have a check out of some of the armies and see some of the faces who uh, I spoke to um, during the, especially day one. Day two was a little bit more fraught. Um, I was rushing around a little bit more, so I didn't get all video interviews on the day one. But you've heard them all here anyway. So um, big shout out to all my opponents as well. I, it was a great tournament and it was lovely to to meet all of the people I had not met before and to uh, to replay against some of those people that I've um, played in the past and just enjoyed rolling dice again. So, with that in mind, coming back in a week or two's time with Lord of the Imps coverage, uh, Lincoln's very own uh, SBG tournament, there's going to be a lot of people there. It's going to be great. I'm going to get them to cheer because that will be good. And you will hear that cheer uh, in the next episode because that will be people finally back in tournament mode. Um that's it. Thanks very much for listening to another episode of Entmoot. I'll be back. Boo-ra-rum. 